thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. And across the state from me is my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RNR. We are the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are happy to be sponsored by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing great beers, dank beers in downtown Great Falls with his second tap room over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny, we're here to talk about the Eastern Eagles and the Montana State showdown in Genie. It's going to be a big one, buddy. It is a big one, man. It's uh, the biggest regular season game I can think of in quite some time. And I was I was actually thinking about this today. Has there been a matchup between two top five teams in, in MSU regular season and ever? What was the Cat Grizz game in 2019? I think the Grizzlies were number three. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe the Cat. No, but the Cats weren't top five, I don't think, at that point. Anyway, no, regardless. Maybe right outside. Rare, rarefied air, right? It feels weird a little bit because we both didn't play last week, and yet we both bumped up in the polls. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, top five showdown over on the red turf. Yeah. Wow. Man, exciting. Exciting. Good to be back on the mic to talk about it because we took the weekend off. So let's roll. All right. Okay, let's do a little rundown for this episode. I'll try to remember it all the top of my head. We will talk about the news. Which is not a lot. We'll talk about the FCS uh, sports rankings that came out, uh, the Big Sky Power rankings that we vote in. We'll talk a little bit about injuries and maybe Coach Vegan, what he said in the press conference. Uh, actually, we're going to start today off with Around the Big Sky, something we do in our R&R After Dark episodes. But uh, like Thorny said, we didn't do one this weekend, so we're going to bring that into this episode today. And then we will get into the Eastern Eagles. And finally, we'll fold the, fold the episode up with some Golden Coolie questions on the end. Sounds good. Yeah, should be a action-packed episode. A lot of uh, not game-specific stuff to get through here before we get to the, the big game, man. Woo, I'm, I'm just I'm excited, man. I haven't been this excited for a game in quite some time, for a not-cat-gris game. 
It was a lot to remember. It was just like going off did the it. checklist in my head, man, but I did it. You, you did it. I was pulling up the stat rankings. So honestly, if you didn't do it, I wouldn't have even noticed. I was focused on pulling up the, uh, the, the top 25 poll. <laughs> All right. I'm going to trust you okay, but, that but you did it. Before we get into any of that fun stuff, let's talk about what's in our golden coolies. So I actually don't have a golden coolie today because my beer is too big to fit in it. I have a big old one pint, six fluid ounce, whatever that is, 650 milliliter, one of the big boys. Boundary Bay Imperial Oatmeal Stout. I thought, big man month. We got a big game coming up. I'm getting myself a big beer. I'm pouring it into a chilled uh, glass to drink out of. So no coolie here, can't fit. But uh, yeah, Boundary Bay Imperial Stout, like 9.7% alcohol. Um, by the time I'm getting done with this thing, I'll probably be, uh, my, my lips will be a little bit more loose as we as the episode goes on. But uh, it, it's delicious. I love a good Imperial Stout. So yeah, highly recommend it. And yeah, big man month, big beer. <laughs> Didn't we say Troy Anderson was the Imperial yeah. Stout of beers? <laughs> yeah, I think we did do that. We were like naming, uh, if, this, if, if he was a beer, I think we did say, like an oatmeal stout for Troy Anderson. Yep. Oh, we need to bring that segment back before the end of the season. <laughs> hey, Imperial Stout. All right, touchdown man. reference there. Carry on. <laughs> I have uh, a local beer from Perry Street. I tasted it last Tuesday on Run Club. Uh, they just put out what's called their Autumn Stout. And I'm holding it up. In, so it's in a, a pine glass thorny. It is really dark like a stout is. Totally chocolatey, which I love about this stout. It's only 5% alcohol. Really easy drinking. Just your typical good fall stout. We're both drinking out of glasses instead of coolies. Is this an omen? We actually, we did something similar before the Weber game, I believe. So I think, I think <laughs> nice. it turned out okay. So Woo. we're hoping to get a new, turn over a new leaf against each Washington here. So let's, maybe we're trying something different here. Bucking the trend. All right. Keep this thing going, buddy. We got to get into a lot of stuff today. So let's talk about Around the Big Sky. This is something we normally do on the R&R After Dark, our quick take episode, which has been super fun. We didn't have one this weekend. We, I had texted you about maybe doing one, but uh, we both <laughs> were like, yeah, we're kind of. Nope. So taking the week off this is like our only break. And if we have any sort of playoff run, this is like the only break we're going to get. So I'm taking it. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to run down the games. Uh, we, we could just take it. How about we just pawn one to each other? I'll take yep. the first one. Yep. Uh, over Missoula, the Grizzlies beat Southern Utah 2019, which is a game that will undoubtedly mm. be talked about all week long on the airwaves, uh, especially out of Missoula. Again, the Grizzlies look a little bit lackluster. Um, Southern Utah looked better than advertised. Southern Utah has a, a record of 1-8, and 0-6 in the Big Sky. And uh, they were a blocked field goal away from winning that game. And, yeah, and they and missed, the a, they missed an extra point, too, earlier in the game. Yeah, that's that right. At least sent it into overtime. So, <laughs> well, that was a crazy game. And yeah, the Grizz got a lot of work to do. They're, uh, they're struggling over there, but they got the win. Uh, moving on, Weaver State got another win after after their big win over Eastern Washington. No letdown game. Traveling over to Pocatello, beating the Bengals 40-17. to in kind of a game that, uh, yeah, they pretty much dominated. I don't think that the Bengals even had 200 yards of offense. So another good defensive performance. And uh, Weber State could win out, finish 7-4, and potentially sneak into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they're playing hot right now. Rashid Shahid had a um, he nine, housed nine a yarder. kick on that game. Yeah. 
Man, broke the FCS so record seven, seven return returns for touchdowns in his career now. Yeah, that sounds about right. Six or seven. He broke the FCS record and tied the FBS one with like the likes of like CJ Spiller and those guys. <laughs> All right, next game, Stingers up, Sacramento State, Edges. The, the dangerous fighting McCaffrey's. <laughs> you always say stingers up and it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it's only second to let's go P for Austin P. Stingers oh, up, man. close second to let's oh, go okay. P. Anyway. 27-24 <laughs> over in Greeley. Uh, that one was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Sacramento State, again, I, I said it on the last episode. I, I don't know how much I buy Sacramento State. I think they're kind of streaky. I think they can be one of the best teams in the Big Sky Conference, but then they can go do this, which which we can all, right? I mean, yeah. with Montana just edging Southern Utah. We didn't have a great game against Idaho State. Well, yeah, it's uh, never fun to yeah. play in Greeley, man. It's always a weird environment, and lots of teams yeah. go lay eggs in Greeley. But if you let Dylan McCaffrey point. throw for 232 yards on you, are you top five team in the Big Sky? <laughs> yeah so there he is sacramento state still writing its own uh story over there they're doing fine they're six and two five and oh in the big sky so uh they don't have a very tough schedule so i could see them sneaking into the playoffs we're not sneaking into the playoffs I, th- I think they probably could win outright win the the big sky title and maybe maybe get a seed i'm not sure probably not yeah if they win out maybe maybe top eight no. seed yeah. All right. All right. We'll pour one out, which I'm not going to do. Maybe I'll pour some more into my into my glass for our boys over at the tubs of the club. Down <laughs> goes Idaho yet again to Northern Arizona, Northern Arizona, a team that got blanked 44 to zip last week against Sac State. Comes back, <laughs> wins in Idaho. Is that how I read this? The yeah. Team is the they're home in team. Moscow. Yeah. Jeez, I didn't realize they're in Moscow. Ooh. So they lose at home. With some fans in the stands wearing like brown bags on their head, heads and the fire <laughs> Petrino shirts. I saw pictures of that. That's just that that's just coming to a crashing halt there down in at down in Idaho. So yeah, NAU gets the win 38-31, moves to four and four, three and two in the big sky. NAU's three and two in the big sky. Idaho falls to two and six. Ugh, I, the season can't end fast enough for the Vandals. Full on dumpster fire. <laughs> I mean that thing. Is such a mess. I don't. Wow. I don't know. Even if the the harshest critics could have predicted the the fall that Idaho would have dropping down the FCS, man, it'd be fun to wax back and take a look at the arc of their program since coming back into the Big Sky. They, I think, they literally only have like seven wins in the in since 2016 or something like that. I'm, I'm gonna get blasted. Now, but it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's so like well, they've Big never Sky finished above 500 I, though. We have Big oh, Sky if you're talking just Big Sky wins, maybe I don't know. But either way, <laughs> it ain't pretty. Yeah. All right. Uh, last game there over in Portland. Portland State took care of Cal Poly 42-21, doubling them up. I watched a little bit of that game. It was kind of boring, actually. I kept rooting <laughs> for Cal Poly because I I was kept thinking, like, come on, Cal Poly, pull this one off. Uh, they would score, and then uh, Davis Alexander would just walk them down the field, and they would, they would and Portland State would just take another touchdown, and all, all of a sudden they had a three-touchdown lead. And... That's about this, the story of that game. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Portland State won a game they should have won. And um, keeping their, actually, their playoff lives are slightly, slightly alive. Do you want do you want to know why Portland State's playoff lives are alive? They can get to seven Tell wins. They can finish seven to four. But their next three games are at Weber, at SAC, and then at home against Eastern. If they finish seven four by beating those three teams, 
they they might be looking at the a playoff berth. I highly oh, doubt. Yeah, for sure. But if they if they win those three games, like they'll, they'll be in the conversation. Because then Weber would finish six and five at at best. Have you ever found yourself watching a, a random Big Sky game that doesn't involve any kind of big teams like this Portland State Cal Poly game? It's it's so weird. I would rather watch some of that than I would most FBS teams. I have this this weird thing where I just prefer FCS football. I don't know what it is. Like I know most people have like an FBS team also, or to watch the big important games. I'd rather I'd rather watch like a close Cal Poly Portland State game in Hillsborough with nobody there. I don't know what it is. It appeals to me more. I just have more connection to it. It's the connection that really makes me want to watch those games more than I don't care about like Auburn versus Ole Miss. Like I don't, I don't know anybody who roots for those teams. I don't know a single fan. Like it doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> well, just when I when I watch those games, like I, I totally get where you're coming from. Like the connection point is totally there, but it just looks so empty and so it is. It's like, super podunk. <laughs> yeah, the energy is just so low. And so, like, if you don't have, like, this connection, this fabric to the Big Sky Conference, you watch that game, you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, who would ever watch that? Like, (laughs) I imagine most Big Sky fans don't watch it. I imagine most Portland State fans don't watch Portland State (laughs) against Cal Poly. Anyway, there you are. There's the Big Sky after dark, uh, which is still technically after dark. It's just a couple days later than we normally do it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Hey, let's move into the FCS. Stats rankings that came out today, the top 25. Montana State moved up to fourth. We didn't even play a game. We went up from fourth. We were sixth last week. I can't remember last time Montana State was in the top four. That's pretty pretty stinking good. Was it, I mean, 2019, we would have been in the final poll because we uh, were one of the last four. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yep, the Cats keep moving up kind of by uh, default at this point because the top teams just keep falling. I think Villanova went down, South Dakota State went down again. So, like, even if you're not believing in the Cats, like, you have no choice but to move them up at this point. <laughs> so, Cats number four after uh, being number six. So, got to love it. Right behind us is Eastern Washington number five, and they were at number seven. So, number four, number five going off. This weekend in Genie, man, that is huge. So just look at uh, number one, Sam Houston, who plays a 10-game uh, schedule, is number one. That's a really easy schedule, by by the way. North Dakota State is 8-0. They're number two. James and Madison's number three. Yeah, Jim, you fell a few weeks ago after getting whooped by Nova, but they're working their way back in there. Now they're top three. <laughs> Same kind of hey, situation. The- Everyone else just keeps losing. And SIU lost, what, last week or two weeks ago? Like, it's just been a... Nobody wants to stay in the top five. It's a curse. Are we cursed now? I don't know. Hey, I got a question. What's what's the deal with Southeastern and Louisiana? They got a guy, Cole Kelly or whatever, who's like going toe-to-toe with Eric Berrier to, to win the, the Walter Payton, having some just crazy video game numbers too. So I also heard that Southern Louisiana plays like two of the teams in their conference, like or uh, yeah, two or three of the teams twice because they're just – the the conference got raided. I'm so confused on conference realignment stuff. But yeah. I think like, they okay. play like Houston Baptist twice, a team that like Northern Colorado beat. I mean, they they mm. have like a super easy schedule, and it's it's kind of crazy. But they got a guy who can sling it, so they're seven and one, and yeah, they're 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 taking care of business too. Like it's all you can do is beat the opponents in front of you, like seventy to fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that Cole Kelly's guy's numbers. He is uh, he is the real deal right now. So, anyways. Uh, UC Davis comes in at number eight. 
that's kind of crazy to me. UC Davis, I still don't believe a, a lick in. They were at number nine, yet they are a top eight team in the nation. Um, Thorny probably disagree with me. 11, Montana stays at 11 with a one-point win against <laughs> one of the worst teams Woo. in all of FCS football. They did it. They beat him. Woo. Congratulations. Yeah, uh, Big win. <laughs> and <laughs> this is such a crappy win. Uh, Weber State 24. <laughs> Uh, 24th in the nation. And so they are just like inside the top 25. So good representation of uh, the Big Sky State schools. Oh, I forgot to say Sac State. I was looking for Sac State. Sac State's sitting at 16. Before we move on from the, the national stuff here, I want to mention real quick, uh, just today announced Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State both going FBS. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. They are joining the Conference USA, which has been poached by the Sun Belt. Man, I get confused on all those. Yeah. Southeast FBS conferences with like Tulane and like Louisiana and Tulsa and UTEP. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't pay attention to any of that, but I did see Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State are both on their way out. I don't I didn't see the timeline, but uh number one mm. in the country, defending reigning champs, getting out of the FBS, FCS. You know, we're we going to do a whole episode that. on uh, our thoughts on that, but <laughs> yeah. just thought I'd throw it out there. I saw that a few hours uh, ago. I'm not going to touch that tonight. All right. Power rankings. Let's get through this quickly. I wrote mine down. You did. Thank you. Play the jerk move. You're smart <laughs> because I, I like you could ask me every single day and I would have a different probably top six. And now I don't, I don't <laughs> remember right. what I did. Okay. I know I did I'll Bobcats number one. I know I did Eastern number two. Then, then I don't remember what I did. I may have either Weber or UC Davis is what I would have done. I know I put like Sac State like all the way down to fifth. And I actually believe I put Portland State six and the Grizz seventh. <laughs> I think I put Portland <laughs> State above the Grizz. <laughs> the Grizz game was so bad. Like I, I just feel like if if they played together, like I, I Portland State probably might beat the Grizz. It'd be, it'd be a toss-up. I had a hard time picking who would win that one. I mean, Southern Utah had their chance to win the game. They were out there without their All-American linebacker, Hana Oko Loco, Loco Moko Davis, whatever. <laughs> I have no idea what his name is. The huge named guy. <laughs> and, they st- and it was in, in Missoula. I don't know. Maybe I'm penalizing the Grizz too much for that loss, but they've just, you know, the last, they've lost two out of the last three. I put Portland State above them in the power rankings. <laughs> and they were only like wow. 20, 20 points off, according to whatever Brian Marceau's scoring system is i have no idea but the portland state was right behind the grizz it was they were actually pretty close so i, I must not have been the only one who had a similar situation <laughs> i think that, i think I, the, uh i think that the grizz fan pod guys put the grizz pretty low they seemed pretty down on it they said like i put the grizz like 10th or something like hey, hey, easy easy guys <laughs> anyway uh you might have overreact right there I had Montana State first, but then I scratched them. I put Eastern Washington first. I just think Eastern Washington has more firepower than the Cats. I put Montana State two, Weber three, Sac four, the Grizz five, Davis six, uh, PSU seven, NAU eight, Northern Colorado nine, Idaho State ten, <laughs> 11, Idaho twelve, Southern Utah. I might have put Southern. I should have put Southern Utah in front of Idaho. I really should have. And then Cal Poly. <laughs> <laughs> but Southern Utah second to last only because of their performance. Oh, Cal Poly's got to hold down that the toilet spot. 
I'm kind of surprised Cal Poly hasn't turned it around a little bit. I mean, I thought Bo, Bo Baldwin get things going there. Like they, I thought they would like catch fire a little bit. It can be streaky. I mean, they have three games left. They, they, they might. So who knows? They might. They're probably just figuring things out. Like they're not in any hurry to figure out things out this season. They're working towards next season. Alrighty. So power rankings done. FCS stats done. Let's talk about some news for the Bobcats. The only big news that came out about the Bobcats today was from Coach Vegan, and the news is we're healthy, Ryan. Yep, Chase Benson, Callahan O'Reilly, both back starting death chart. Same with TJ Session. Uh, what, there was another interesting. Oh yeah, uh, the other thing from the death chart that I found a little interesting was Sebastian Valdez was penciled in as the starting defensive tackle next to Chase Benson with Blake Heal backing him up. I think Heal's been starting most of the season, so that's a a nod to how Valdez has been playing. But yeah, you're getting back to the injury thing. Seems like we're pretty healthy for the main guys. Tyrell Thomas, he talked about. Nate Stewart, he said, could play. And James Campbell all could play. Those, I think those guys will all be limited. But I imagine Benson and O'Reilly and Session are good to go. Um, if Benson did have a back thing, I'm curious to see if he'll be limited or not. But uh, regardless, those guys will be back playing. Good news. Those back things can get pretty tricky. You know, they they can be they can. triggered pretty fast. And so... I kind of crossed my fingers for good old Chase Benson. He's a key cog in our success. At, Huge, at the right? same time, so. though, if he if he tweaked his back and it was questionable, you're not going to put him in the Idaho State game. That's a good point. That's a game you're, really you're confident you're winning, whether Chase Benson plays or not. Well, Coach Vegan also said, just mentally, the the Cats uh, just came out of the bye really refreshed. He talked about even guys who weren't on the injured list, just getting some time to heal up, including like Matt McKay. Matt McKay apparently was a little bit dinged up, had some hits. And we'll talk about kind of his progress over the, over the bye week. <laughs> I hear that. It's just you know, gurgle, gurgle. Some ASMR beer pouring. <laughs> we make our own sound effects on the r and I've been wanting to have like a beer pouring sound for our coolie segment. Maybe that we'll see how that sounds. It probably sounds pretty gross. Probably sounds terrible. But anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're gonna do the injury front. Yep. And mentality front too. You know, I'm just excited to see the cats play again. The for me, the bye week always gives me like just like a mental break because I just get just amped up and anxious and juiced and all of it during the whole week. And so going into the bye week, I'm always like just a little bit refreshed. I enjoy the Saturday a little bit more where I don't have to watch Montana State. I know that sounds weird because I love watching Montana State, but I just, you know, I just get nervous. I'm I'm a bad Bobcat fan to watch the game with. So it gives me a little bit of reprieve. I I did a lot of yard work. Uh, Fall was spectacular here in Spokane. All the leaves came down. But yeah, it was Saturday was just gorgeous out. But now I'm ready to watch the Bobcats again. I found like Saturday night, I was like, man, I kind of just miss it. And I wanted to talk Bobcat football. I wanted to get on the R&R after dark. None of that was happening. And so I'm ready for it, man. Yeah, me too. This is, like I said, the most excited I've been for a while. So do you want to just get into it? Let's talk about Eastern. Let's talk about the history of Eastern real quick. Because No, let's not talk about the history. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to verbalize it. I don't want to speak it into the world because it's bad. It's worse than I even remember it being, which is which is saying something. Tony, I did all the research. I'm going right. to say it right Hit now. Hit me. 
I'm going to drink. The last, you I'll, I'll hit mute last so no one hears me drinking. The last 16 years, we've only won twice against Eastern. We were, uh, so 2003, we lost 25-34. I can't really remember that game. I do remember the 44-51 loss in 04 in Bozeman. I spent the first half screaming across the state of Montana in my little Mazda truck trying to get back from Missoula to watch that game. Uh, Eric Meyer and Eric Kimball just tore us up in the second half, and they came back, and they beat us in the overtime game. I Is that the game that Lule game? had like 600 yards of total offense by himself <laughs> or something like did. that? Yeah. But we couldn't stop the Eric Meyer-Eric Kimball connection. But anyways, we were like 22 years old, man, 16 years ago. And, just kids, um, just kids. It's terrible. I mean, the the Eastern Eagles have just absolutely dominated us in the last 16 years. I can't believe we only have two wins. And those wins came in 2011. We beat, um, we won in Cheney, 36-21. I remember that game. Uh, Deontay Flowers had a really good game. Uh, and then we won in Bozeman uh, the year before. I forgot about that. 37. So that was the that was the largest margin of victory we've had in the last 16 years. And, and that was the I year did they a little the bit... national championship. <laughs> yeah, they went home in the things. national championship. We haven't won uh, against the Eastern men in the big two sports since 2019. And that was February 7th. We beat them 74-66 in basketball in Bozeman. I'm surprised it's that recent, honestly. Yeah, I know. Because Eastern's like, like dominated the Big Sky Conference men's basketball, like periods. It's been like the Grizz, Weber, and Mon- and Montana. Like, I'm surprised that we've beaten them that recently, to be honest. So let's we, we just aired out our grievances against Eastern Whew. right off the bat. I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. You got to go back, but we have lost a ton to Eastern. Yeah, there was wow. a uh, a memory I have with my dad that I hold dear. We drove. And I don't know what year it would have been. Were you, were you saying the odd years in the 2000, in the aughts? My goodness, I feel so old. Were the odd years yeah. the away games? Yeah. So let's see. Well, I only went back to 2003. So we lost the, 25 that was in Yeah. No, it was in Spokane. They played at Joe Albi, uh, which was really cool. cool. That wouldn't have been where I watched it then. So anyway, because that was back before the big guy added a bunch of teams. He actually played. It was easy to tell. Even years you're here, odd years you're there. Anyway. So I, my dad and I drove out for a full weekend of football. I'm also a big Rams fan. Just signed Von Miller. Pretty excited about that from the Broncos. Uh, drove out, watched the Bobcats lose in Cheney, had tickets to the to the Rams and Seahawks game the next day, watched the Rams lose to the Seahawks. Great weekend of football that was, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good trip <laughs> with my dad. But yeah, that would have been about 2005. Yeah, I think about 2005 was when it happened because it was just after Kurt Warner was done with the Rams. It was Mark Bulger. Uh, Steven Jackson couldn't get it done. We lost 14-35 in 2005 in Cheney. That sounds about right. I don't remember it being particularly competitive. <laughs> We've had a lot of those where they've doubled this up. A lot of 14-35s, 17-34s. Ugh. And then we had those two years in 14 and 15 where we were uh, 51-52 in Bozeman. <laughs> no one oh played any defense at all. Nope, neither team. Did. And then the next year, uh, Choate's first year, I believe, was 
Was that Choke's first year? In no, 15, no way. Or, uh, was it no. 16? 16. 16, yeah. yeah okay, my Choke bad. never my scored bad. 55 points. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> or gave up 50 points unless it was maybe a North Dakota State. Oh, you know what? I, I went to that one. That was my first year living out here in Spokane, uh, that 50-55, and I left at halftime. I was so disappointed. It was a, this windy, crappy Eastern Washington day, and we were getting our butts kicked in. Um, Dakota Prukop, uh, that was his senior year for us. And we had a string of good luck in the second half where we had like a drop punt or something, blah, blah, blah. It just kept like favor just kept popping to the, to the Bobcats. And I was listening on the way back to Spokane and I was like, I can't, I was just like crushing myself. I was like, no, no. And then of course we lost. So whatever. Is that the one where the Bobcats, we, uh, they scored like on every single possession Eagles did. <laughs> like they I think that happened once. two years in a row, man. <laughs> I think that happened two years. In a row. It was in Cheney. I remember specifically they scored like eight drive, eight touchdown drives in a row, not field goals, just eight straight touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I'm laughing because it didn't Remember big play VA would just toss it up to uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, I was thinking about this last night before I went to bed. Like, if the Eastern Eagles had 30 seconds on the clock and they were on their, their own 20 and they had Vernon Adams and Cooper Cup, you were sweating bullets. Yeah. <laughs> you were sweating bullets. 30 seconds was an eternity for Vernon Adams. Yeah, big that play VA, scary, man. man. He was so good at just tossing it up and letting his guys go get it. So yeah. good at that. Just making the play happen. They've had some elite off- offensive talent for so long. For so long. Yes. Not just not just quarterbacks or wide receivers. I mean, they have good running backs. Tywon, Tywon Jones, I think, is still in the NFL like a decade yeah. later. Yeah. So they've had some dudes, man. And uh, so in our, in our preseason prediction episode, I call this one as the monkey being off the back. This is the one I called to win. I'm not sure I feel as confident as I did back then, but let's let's, let's start talking about the game, huh? Yeah, you and I both thought the Eastern was going to be a little bit down yeah, we going did. into this year. They had kind of a, a not-so-stellar spring season. And I think our buddy Corey sent me the stats from their North Dakota State game because he's kind of trying to figure out how we're going to attack them. North Dakota State in the playoff game against Eastern like ran for 444 yards and like threw for 50 yards. I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> that's one way. That's one way to approach things. But yeah, they didn't have a stellar spring season. And I was like, is this the year that Eastern's down? No, no, they're better than they have been in years. <laughs> Neato. They're one of the examples of actually maybe learning something and improving from the spring season because there hasn't been a whole lot of that. It seems like all the all the teams in the spring, we were state. I, Idaho seemed like promising in the spring. Idaho State seemed promising in the spring. They've all just not met those expectations. We could do a whole podcast on expectations coming out of spring and performance coming out of spring to how that's stacked up against the, the fall season. Yeah. We look, I mean, in hindsight, it looks really good that Montana State did not play in the spring season. It would have been a terrible, terrible decision with the new coaching staff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe if Choate was there, maybe, but yeah. New coaching staff couldn't have couldn't have planned it better. In fact, you couldn't even written the script for the season much better for a new coaching staff. It is kind of weird, though. I mean, if we look at the season, it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel very like the season's been very challenging. Like the Montana State hasn't played a team of like this passing attack that we're gonna face against Eastern. Montana State hasn't faced anything like that. And I mean that's gonna be a big storyline in the game is like how do our young corners hold up against the, the best in the FCS? Yeah. Because Eric Barrier statistically is number one in the nation in passing yards. He has 3,297 yards. He has 30 touchdowns, number one in the FCS. His average, number one in the FCS, 412.12 yards per game. His passing rating, number one in the FCS, 181.22. And then just his yards per play, is his average is 15.55 yards per play. I mean, those are all just like taken straight <laughs> off of the website. He's number one in all of them. Montana State hasn't even hasn't even like like who's the best passer we've played against? Davis Alexander, easily, yeah, maybe. Yeah, people want to so, like people want to say like they knock on that. Davis Alexander, I looked it up earlier. He's 13th in the country in total offense by himself. Like, he's not a slouch. No, Coach Vegan talked about or he answered a. a, a question in the presser today about like kind of a comparable to uh eb3 and he said davis alexander but he, he kind of kind of was like yeah you know you know davis alexander is kind of a, a guy who can create a play and that's exactly what uh eric barrier is going to do when you watch them i've only watched the eagles a couple times I, I definitely watched when they played montana and that's always a special game eric barry has that just playmaking mentality, just kind of like Vernon Adams, where he can just get out of a, a tough situation and make a big play. And that's something that really scares me as a cat fan. No, he's the guy who like has two guys draped around him, somehow escapes out of it. And as soon as he does, you know, like, oh, he's going to throw the ball 30 down, 30 yards down the field and complete it. Like you just know <laughs> yeah. it. Like he's just got that ability. And to go back to the, what you were saying just a second ago, uh, a reporter, uh, I think it was Robbie Whittle, NBC Montana. Sorry if I got butchered your name. What he did is he asked, like, can you compare Eric Berrier to maybe any quarterback you faced this year? So that's why mm. um, and Vegan, like, was thinking, he's like, well, to, for someone that we've actually played against, Davis Alexander, which is clear. Like, there's no, there's no other comp of EB3 period. But if there's going to be someone in the conference that plays kind of like that, that kind of playmaking – get you know looks downfield makes plays with his legs like davis alexander is the only guy that comes to mind now he's only uh <laughs> actually kyler neal had a pretty funny joke he called davis alexander uh eric barrier the th like a a third instead of the third like a, the third of eric barrier which i thought was pretty funny but <laughs> but it is he's, he's got this similar kind of play style but he's, he's nowhere near the talent but uh you know we have faced a, a prolific quarterback and he did give us a little bit of trouble so it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out there so what do you think Montana State's going to do against Eric Barrier? Oh, man, you're, getting right in, you're getting right into the strategy talk of this. Um, I've been thinking about this all week long, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that there's no single way to do it, but there's there's multiple ways to do it. People have been talking on the board like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. I just don't know what the answer is personally. I think there's a couple ways to go about it. I just think you need to – Try and confuse him. You're never going to stop him. You're just, first of all, scratch that. You're not going to stop him. You're not going to hold him down the entire game. You got to confuse him a little bit with some different looks. What it boils down is you have to make him hold on to the ball for one to two seconds longer than he'd like to. Either the coverage is good, the pressure is good, 
or the the scheme has him thrown off a little bit. You just got to make him hold on the ball a bit longer, and maybe you, you can get a guy to him. I think that's really the best strategy containing him when he's on the field. I agree with Brent, Vre- <laughs> Brent Vegan in his press conference that the best <laughs> best way to keep him um, in check is to keep him on the sideline. But that you know that that's what every opponent tries to do. So I mean that's not anything new, and it hasn't worked. But the point, he's going to get the ball. Obviously, you can try and keep him on the sideline the best you can. But I think I think the combination of uh, what I just said, like trying to make him hold on to the ball a bit longer than he wants, make him a little more comfortable than he wants to be, accepting he's going to make plays and not getting down about it, just kind of keep keep the effort up, and then just trying to keep a little bit of ball control on your side and score. You have to score. Um, you just don't want uh, situation barrier get, gets up because then he can be more comfortable and make more plays. So those those are kind of my uh, quick takes on how to slow him down if it's possible. <laughs> you gave a lot right there, man. But yeah, I wasn't ready for that question, but here, there I went. What, what's your uh, What's your idea on uh, slowing down the barrier? Area? Oh man my my first <laughs> My first thing I would say is keep him on the sideline. I know that's the easy thing to easy say, to but say. my McKay, the the offense for Montana State, we're gonna have to put together some drives. You know that when I was doing the research for this game. I think the one the one thing Montana State can uh, make hay in is our uh, run game. So when I was looking at uh, just like some statistics, Eastern's rush defense is seventh in the conference, and our rush our rush offense is first in the conference. And so there's like a distinct advantage on paper right there. <sighs> When you listen to people talk about this game, they talk about our run game versus Eastern's defense and how that could be something we could exploit. When I watch their defense, they're pretty good tacklers. They're pretty energetic uh, defense, um, almost kind of like the Montana Grizzlies. You know how the Grizzlies rallied to the ball? I think Eastern has that kind of same mentality. Yeah, Eastern's kind of built on forcing turnovers. Not like stopping you dead in your tracks. Mm. You know, I haven't been terribly like super like just flat out impressed with our run game. I know we're first in the conference, but we haven't played a lot of great teams. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. We're just going to be able to run all over Eastern. I mean, if you want to get into this now, um, I definitely have on my notes like concerns about our offense being able to move the ball with the way we yeah. played the last few weeks and running game cer- mm-hmm. certainly facts into that. Yeah. We're first in the conference, but we also had a couple games where we played like uh, San Diego and we're up by like 40 points. And then Tommy Mallott busts like a 70 yard touchdown run. That's going to make the yeah. stats look pretty good. And that's not yeah. necessarily indicative of in how good you are running the ball. We've been shuffling around the offensive line. We can't seem to find a good, good group of guys there. That's really getting it going. It's kind of interesting, almost against Idaho State, I, that was almost a better lineup for us with uh, Taylor Tuisisopo coming over at right guard. That's just kind of more of his natural position, necessarily, like a bulldozer, road grader kind of paving the way for Afonze, who had, what, 165 yards in that game, I think? Regardless, like, like that. I mean, I just, it's not automatically assumed to me that our offense is going to be able to score a whole bunch of points on them. And that's one of my biggest concerns going into this game is – not you know okay we can maybe we can hold Eastern to thirty eight points can we score thirty eight points? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm not sure we can. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be up to Matt McKay. I think Matt McKay is one of the keys to this game. And what version are we going to see of Matt McKay? Coach Vegan talked about him a lot, a little bit in this uh, in this week's presser. He said, you know, uh, what did he say? He said kind of like Matt gets in trouble when the game gets too fast for him. His footwork, and we talked about that, get a little bit. Um, it just messes him up. And he's had some, I just think, let's just call it out. He, he's had kind of two bad games in a row against Weber. He had Idaho State. This is a big game for him. This is a really big game. And Coach Vegan said that it was a big game for him too. But he also said something. Uh, he's like, you know, it's not all on Matt's shoulders. In order for us to beat Eastern, it's going to have to be a team win in all three phases. And I, and I think that's going to be like a huge part. Like our defense has to show up. Uh, special teams, we have to have an edge on special teams. Stones Glessner might be the game like winner for us. He he might be the the guy that wins this game. You know, consistent. We get we. I I bet we're going to be able to move the balls again in in the twenties between the twenties, the red zone. I'm not sure. You know, whatever happens, but if we get close and if it's not windy, Stones is going to hit some hit some big plays for us. I bet. Cats are us. Golden Cooley question: Is Stones Glasner going to be the highest scorer and win the game ball? Very well, Pertinent. could be. He it could be. He could end up with the. With a three or four field goals, it's quite possible. <laughs> in a game that I expect, I just don't see this game being less than the winning team is going to have more than twenty four points easily. I'd imagine it's hard. It's going to be hard oh, to man. give a kicker a game ball in this kind of game. I think, but you know, he could very well kick a game winning field goal. Thirty four. Weaver put up 35. like thirty five. Thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah. Which is surprising. We hold them to seven. They looked terrible, and then they go over to Cheney and score thirty five points. But Eastern turned the ball over a ton. Weaver State converted three fake punts, and Weaver State had good starting field position the entire oh, game. They started like gosh, on their yeah. own, like thirty-five or forty, like every single play or every single drive. I'm not sure it's uh, we can replicate that success. Maybe when we, I think we have a better offense than Weaver State. At least, at least I used to think that. But uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of kind of turning a little bit on the offense in terms of like being able to perform against really good. Teams and that and that goes right back to the whole concern about the offense. Can we score in the thirties to win this game? What was our best offensive output? You thought like watching the Cats this year? Um, it's a good question. I don't really have the games in front of me, so nothing's jumping to my mind. Um, it's so hard when you're when you're winning games like forty to zero in the third quarter, and some of it was pick sixes or some of it was uh, defense making plays. Most of it's been the offense, though. I'd say most of our offensive output has actually been the offense. I don't think we have any special teams po- points. We have maybe two pick sixes all year. But, yeah, I don't have one off the top of my head. Do you have any? You know, I, I have memories of certain games. I, I liked how we came came out against Portland State. I, have, I remember the pass that we hit Elijah Elliott. Um, right down the seam where it looked like McKay was going to run it, and then he just kind of did the the Tebow just like little pass. I thought that was a really cool wrinkle. Oh, that was like South Dakota or Drake, one of the two. Okay. Um, I also thought we looked really good at Wyoming. Actually, they played. You, you might played be really right. Yeah, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming was one of our more complete offensive performances. Um, my the other ones I would that kind of come to my mind aren't, aren't necessarily the games like the Drakes, the South Dakota or South San Diego's. But like the Cal Poly game or Northern Colorado games where, where we kind of 
were able to execute well. It, 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 to me, so I was thinking about this. We're talking about game plans and what it takes to win and how, how to keep Eric Berry off the field. There's so many different ways to go about it. The number one thing you have to do is you have to execute whatever game plan that the coaches put out there for you. That's a good point. It's kind of like a, well said. When you want <laughs> when you want to lose weight, every, like almost every single fitness program on the planet is going to work if you follow it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that really comes down to like if we have to be efficient and we have to execute and we can't waste opportunities. And we haven't really been efficient lately. Like we were, we've been, we've had moments this year. I mean, we overall, yes, we're efficient, but we just haven't looked very dynamic. And, you know, especially the last couple of weeks, it makes me just a little nervous that we're not going to be able to be that efficient team. We're going to go three and out or we're going to, I don't think we'll turn the ball over too much necessarily, but I just don't know if we'll be able to sustain any drives. Yeah. I have that concern too. Like I, I picture us coming out and then we just run two plays up the middle and then have a, a missed pass or a overthrown ball, and you're just like, here we go again. So uh, I don't want to breathe that into us, but uh, that's definitely a concern for sure. <laughs> I mean, the last thing you want to do, the, like my number one thing that I don't want to happen, you don't want to play catch up in this game. Yeah. You can't get down 14 or 20 points in the first half. You'll be playing catch up all game. I just don't know if we have the firepower to do that. Another key to this game I, I just wrote down is, can we absorb Eastern's big plays and not get off track? And I think, uh, you know, they're going to have their big plays. They're going to have, they're just going to have big plays. Does that sidetrack us? Because we haven't had many big plays against us. Can we weather the storm? No, uh, I actually did some research a while ago, and, and that was before the Weber State game and before the Idaho State game, maybe. I don't remember, but it certainly hasn't changed since then. Like the cats have had like two plays against them all year over 40 yards, like 41. And then a couple, like maybe three in the thirties and most of them in 20, like the longest run against us has been like 28 yards. And that was like Xavier, Xavier mm -hmm. Valaday. The cats <laughs> yeah. haven't really had to respond to an 80 yard bomb touchdown against them. We don't know mm -hmm. what that's like. We haven't given up a single one all year. It, point, it just man. seems likely that's going to happen at least one time. How did, how do the guys respond to that? I know Vegan mentioned in his press conference that he's like, hey, you have to be comfortable that they're gonna he's gonna make plays and you just have to be okay with that. And he's right. And I I I like that mentality. And he's gotta start hammering that home. The guys we've been we've been solid all year. This guy's gonna be this once or twice. You're gonna be you have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a yeah. touchdown, but he's gonna get over the top. He's gonna make a big play. Yeah. Yeah, it'd behoove the cats to just know that's coming and just accept it. Lean into it because it's going to happen. <laughs> so All offensively, right. uh, I want to ask you a few questions. You you have this kind of side down. It's not all Eric Berrier. Oh, Who's man. The running back, Dennis Merritt. Tell us a little bit about Dennis Merritt. Forgot. I was ready to move on to the Golden Coolies, man. <laughs> yeah, we need, to, we need to get moving, but I feel like we need to mention some players instead of just talking in generalities this entire time. Yeah, Dennis Merritt is a registered senior who leads the Big Sky Conference in touchdowns. He has 13 touchdowns. To put that in kind of perspective, uh, Fonse only has seven. Fonse has more yards than him. Fonse has 924 yards. Merritt has 692 yards. Uh, I, I didn't know about this guy until recently. It sounds like he's like, you know, big play, EB3, gets him close, and then he just run it in. So. I mean, he's a, he's a dude. He has 13 touchdowns on the season. That's nothing. 
So and five point two yards per carry. That's pretty darn good. They have three um receivers that are <laughs> like over six hundred yards. They always have three receivers. Always yeah, or, or like close to. So Telolu Limo Jones, who is a Limu Limu Jones. He has thirty seven catches. Yeah. I didn't think that guy was going to be back. I didn't think so either. It looked like pretty it gnarly. He snapped in half. He got like drugged down like backwards. It looked pretty gnarly. But yeah, he came back, Ooh. I think, against uh, against Weaver State. I think he did. No, he, he was back Weaver last State. week. Anyways, uh, yeah, he's a redshirt senior. He has 623 yards. He only has two touchdowns, though. Uh, you said he kind of has some drops here and there. And I think yeah, he's had it. He's got kind of the stone hand things where very able <laughs> to drop a perfect one in on him. He'll be streaking wide open because he he is a athletic athletic mismatch for pretty much most guys in the Big Sky Conference. But it'll just like just bounce right off his hands. Like he's just like he's got his <laughs> fist balled up trying to catch the ball. It does happen. Yeah. It happened against the Grizz too. He dropped a sure touchdown pass against the Grizz. Oh yeah, Andrew Boston, another six three guy. Uh, 6'3", 200, junior, has 629 yards. So he's leading the team. He has five touchdowns. And then Efton Chisholm, the third, he's a freshman. Uh, another freshman we get to think about, 522 yards, six touchdowns. So uh, I don't, I'm not going to say Cooper Cup's name, but, you know, Man, whatever. the question at this point is, if you have Eric Berry at quarterback, does it matter who the receiver is? Like he's, if you can get open at all, he's going to find you, <laughs> but man, they always have talented wide receivers and, uh, switching over to the defensive side. There's a couple guys I want to mention before we move on here. Um, which I don't have, where did I write that down? It's gone. It was a Sandalback, right? What was the name? Yeah. Jack Sand- Sandalback, their uh, linebacker who's like fifth or sixth in the in the Big Sky Conference in tackles, but um, he only has like one sack. So clearly he's like cleaning up stuff, but he's not necessarily getting in behind the backfield. But the guy who is, Joshua Jerome, he is fifth in the in the conference in tackles for loss and like sixth in sacks. So he's, he's got like 11 tackles for loss and five sacks. So he's a guy who's going to be disrupting up the middle uh, for, for the Eagles. But uh you know, there's a there's a couple playmakers for your for your uh, for your information there. If you didn't know that ahead of time, as since we pretty much wrapped up this entire conversation without talking about a single player besides Eric Berrier, I felt like we probably should <laughs> mention that they also have some other good players on all sides of the ball, <laughs> everywhere. No, they don't. Special it's teams just a- actually probably their weakest link, and this is a a game where Bryce Layton's going to have to have a good game punting the ball. He used to have a like an all conference kicker. But he graduated. I'm pretty happy about that. Anyway. They, anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's like Alcatraz or something. That's not right. <laughs> Alcatraz. Well, Cheney is basically like a that. prison. So that yeah, works out. Alcabanas? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I think I remember. This is kind of sounding familiar, but these, these words are you saying? They're just making up these. Words. Uh, okay. Anyway, continue on. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop talking about Eastern. I have to it's, Google uh, this now because it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to go to this game 30, but they're El charging. <laughs> uh, 
they're charging so much to go to this game. I was looking to take my family to this game. I was talking to my boys. It's like, hey, let's go. Let's go to this game. And they're like, yeah, dad, let's go. I looked up tickets, base tickets without even ticket fees, 55 bucks for a ticket. And then you look at the parentheses, 1450 for ticket fees. 1450 <laughs> is absurd. Did you go uh, all the way through the cart? Because I did. There's also a $5 <laughs> uh, order fee. Oh, no. So you're paying $63 in fees for a family of four. There's no, like, kid discount, basically. It's 55 oh. It might be 55 for the kids and 60 for you and your wife. 293 yeah. bucks. 293 bucks for a game in Cheney, Washington. In the end zone, which, like, it's, it's, like, almost almost double what it costs to go to the Washington State-Arizona game and watch that game in the end zones at, in Pullman. <laughs> just just to, for reference. I was talking to my wife. to like Saturday 30 night. bucks and like $5 fees. We both looked at each other like, heck no. Heck no. <laughs> We're going to go uh, to the the Bobcat tailgate. So the Alumni Association over here in Spokane is putting on a tailgate on Friday night. So I ordered us two tickets to go to that. And we'll do some like meet and greets over there. I don't know who's going to be out there. That'd be cool if you're there. My name's Ryan Foley, if you don't know. Just look for my name tab. I hope we have name tags. <laughs> I'll just put Ryan, you know, whatever. Introduce yourself. That'd be really cool. Arn our cat cast on there. People uh, love that. I don't know, man. You know, I don't, whatever. Maybe, right? Who knows? Celebrities. But, um, man, like, is, like, is that like the NFL price for tickets? Six, like, no, that's 60, like the NFL bucks? price for like one ticket. Oh, my word. You never try to go to Seahawks game? Yeah, it's at least two hundred bucks per ticket. Oh, yeah, there it's gonna you cost go. you. A, it's going to cost you a grand to go to Seahawks game Jeez. for minimum. Wow! All right, because parking is like fifty bucks. <laughs> Man, and I've rallied against their stadium and field on this podcast for many years now. <laughs> it is not a fun place to watch a game. The sight lines in the game, like if you're in the visitor side, like the Montana State side, the bleachers are so small that you're just looking right into the back of the Bobcat players. So you really never get a good view of what's going on. It's kind of like being a coach or being on the sideline. You're like, okay, I can see a little bit, but you don't have that view that that you really want. Maybe in the end zone because you have it's a little bit taller, but then you're looking from the end zone. So it's just kind of a weird perspective from that angle. I don't I mean, know, it's what man. happens when you're when uh, the stadium is level with the the bleachers, like like high school, you know, like a Bobcat yeah, stadium. Exactly. Like it, it's there's it's all rate like the field sunk below the bleachers, so there's no that doesn't happen in any yeah. legitimate stadium. But yeah, that side of the field, I think I think I don't think there's that kind of problem on the Eastern's grandstand side, whatever you want to call it. I think it is raised, but yeah, the, I've been in the bleachers over on, on the visitor side, and yeah, if you're in the first like four rows, you can't see anything. It's terrible. All right. At least there's a track. <laughs> oh, man. That's all we can do. We can man. smack the talk the stadium. We can smack talk Genie, but the Eagles absolutely own us. And I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. that I'm hoping that changes, man. <laughs> I called it so before weird. the before the season started. This is the, when we get the monkeys <laughs> off the back. And that still very much could happen. So let's hope for it. I feel like we didn't. I feel like we kind of rambled and really get into any meat of anything, but here we are an hour <laughs> into it, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I think 
and we won't do prediction because we never do. But uh, oh, no. to go back to it, I did predict a win like three months ago. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All Let's get into this Golden Coolies. I guess Let's do more it. Golden Coolies. All right. Let's start with KW Cat. He said, after the Weber game, House Rides interview, he said the offense. Oh, never mind. That, uh, that was one we already covered. Fast forward. Blue and gold blitz. I want a sticker for my water bottle. So here's my best question I can come up with. In order to cast the win against Eastern, which player has to play lights out in order for us to succeed? Matt McKay. That's an easy one. I was thinking Matt McKay. I was also thinking maybe one of our offensive linemen. Yeah, you know, that's a good answer, too. I mean, Afonte is also a candidate here, but I just think the guy that has to play better than he has been playing, if a guy has to elevate himself another notch, it's got to be Afonte. If everyone else plays like they've been playing, I think we're okay. I just think Afonte, like McKay's got to be the guy who takes it up an extra notch. So that's that's my uh, my answer there. Do you think McKay has, like, big game jitters? I mean, Vegan mentioned... Um, at his old stop, he may have been in his head that if he made a mistake, he was going to get pulled out of the game. And you just wonder yeah. if that still kind of permeates. He's just kind of afraid to make a mistake. I'd, I'd rather mm. see him push it down the field and maybe throw an interception. I'll, of course, I don't know how he responds to throwing an interception because he's only done it one time this year. Um, he, he's going to be aggressive at some point. If we're going to be some sort of like national calib- national championship caliber team, he's going to have to be able to throw the ball further downfield, make bigger plays. Um, but not just uh, heaving balls to one-on-ones against Lance McCutcheon. So I think this is the game. If he's going to bust out and kind of make some make some uh, things happen, this is the game that would be most beneficial to the Bobcats. Yeah, no doubt. I kind of think Eastern's going to cloud McCutcheon. So I think uh, if that's the truth, I thought about this a little bit. I think Jaden Smith might have a big game. Willie Patterson. Charles Brown, some other receivers besides Lance McCutcheon. I love hey. Lance McCutcheon, but it's like, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I just think they're going to lock him down. You know who's listed as Jaden Smith's backup on the depth chart released today? Andrew Nate Patterson? Stewart. Nate Stewart. Nate Stewart. Ooh. First appearance in the Akron. depth chart, I believe, after being injured. Maybe he has a big game because <laughs> uh, I love Jaden Smith, but he's, like, I love the potential of him, but he hasn't made a ton of plays, partially because he hasn't been throwing the ball a lot. So, but maybe he's not getting open. Like, these are the things that you just don't can't tell on number one. You can't tell on TV. Like the the receivers run down the field. The camera doesn't follow the receivers. I don't know what's going on down the field. Um, and we're just fans. So I don't understand football enough to know if Jane Smith's doing something wrong to not get open. I don't know. Anyway, we Damn need, we need Damn. more production from the rest of the crew besides Lance McCutcheon. However, that just checks out. Whatever. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bleeding Blue asks, what is the most important thing the cast need to do Saturday to come out on top? Other than score more points. I think I said this earlier. I think the single biggest thing is just don't play from behind. Don't get down and where we have to play a game, a catch up with against Eastern Washington, because that's just not going to end well. We can't get in a track meet. Well, track meet maybe, but trading punches. We just can't get behind. I think, that, I think that's kind of my, my basic answer on that one. Yeah, so I don't know if I agree with that because I think we will be behind. I think there's going to be a distinct possibility where we're all of a sudden seven points, 14 points behind. I think you can't freak out at that point. I think you got, unless it's fourth quarter, 
right? And you're like, okay, well, that that's something. It's first quarter, we're down 14 points. Stick to the game plan. Trust the trust the game plan. Uh, to answer Bleeding Blues, I think I don't know. Two things: sustained drives and created turnover. To clarify, when I when I say from play from behind, I don't mean like they scored a touchdown and now you're behind. I'm talking far enough behind it gets you it gets you out of whatever game plan you had. Mm. All right, so like 17, 21 that. points. Like it's enough. Like all right, we have to abandon what we're doing and start throwing the ball over the field. Like that's all right. that's what I mean. Ten points, fourteen points. That's okay. You can still oh man, you can still run your game plan and get back in the game at that point. Joe Bobcat give, gives us a drinking. <laughs> Excuse me, I just had game. a yeah, I just had a burp there. Excuse me, I forgot about this question. This is a good one. Uh, which of the three following drinking games would result in the largest consumption of alcohol and thus the highest level of intoxication? Number one, you have to take a drink every time a post in the Eastern Washington game thread mentions rust. Number two, you have to take a drink every time the post in the Eastern game thread mentions red carpet. Or number three, you have to take a drink for every error that still exists in the MSU football roster. Wrong number jersey or wrong jersey number. Weights that weren't updated. Whatever. It's if it's wrong, you drink. Yeah, is uh is Kenneth Iden still listed at like number ten on the roster? That's been like forever since that was changed around. That's clearly Brody <laughs> Greeby. Um drink. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with number two. Red carpet. Every time someone Yeah. Now, n- not necessarily the exact wording of the red carpet, but someone anytime I mention the stupid red turf, um, that's going to be brought up the most <laughs> in the game thread. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't I don't read the game thread until Monday morning. No, you I stay out of ever. it. It's I get terrible. myself oh on Monday, especially after a win, I just get myself a cup of coffee, go over there, and just read it like a good book. But uh, <laughs> red carpet, that's my vote. That'll wow. get you the the drunkest. Sometimes I'm part of that uh, game day thread, and uh, you know me, I'm a little bit of a negative Nelly sometimes, and so... That's what it's for, and honestly, that's why I stopped doing it, because I, I felt myself being negative in there, and that's fine. That's what it's for. I have nothing against that. I just didn't like who I was in there. <laughs> so that, that's okay. what, I, I just stopped reading it, because I'm like, this is just negative town, and I'm going to dive right into it. just going to put my... I'm going to take a deep dive right into it. We have I one left. That's on. a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Took I almost said I it, it earlier. I almost <laughs> said it earlier. <laughs> All right. Pucket 21 says, do the coaches ever call plays based on weather? I noticed in the Eastern Grizz game, players losing the ball because of the sun several times. Also, the red field seems to be cause a lot of slipping if you if you're having to burst fast. Do the call plays... Based off of weather, I think we craft game plans based off of weather, but I don't know if we call specific plays against weather. What do you think? It's funny because there was was a, I don't know if it was the Grizz game against uh, Southern Utah. There was a game I was watching. I don't know if it was this weekend or two weeks ago where a wide receiver, like half the field was shaded, half the field was sunny, and they threw like a, uh, uh, like a arcing ball to the sunny side and the wide receiver completely lost it in the sun and just dropped it. And I was like, hmm. and I was actually thinking to myself, like, do they take that into account? Like if you're the quarterback, you got to know 
the sun's behind you. You can't throw a hierarching ball directly into the sun's path. Your guys are not going to have a chance. And I don't know if that's a, <laughs> like, I don't know if it goes all the way down to the, to the offensive coordinator. Like, Oh, we can't throw it in that corner. Cause the sun will blind our dude. Like, I don't know. Like that's, a, that's, I had that thought though. It's a good question. I don't have an answer for it. I think a smart offensive coordinator might um, take that into consideration. I don't know if it changes things, but uh, overall, like fully said, yeah, if it's rainy, you're going to change your game plan. Like you're going to, craft your game plan with the weather forecast based up a couple, like maybe a day or two leading into the game. You're going to, you're going to tweak some things for sure. All right. We have I think that's all Facebook. we had on Bobcat Nation. We already, we already read the last one early on. You want to dig into Twitter real quick? Um, or do you even have Twitter anymore? You anti-Twitter. Kind of anti-Twitter. You are, um, we have one on Facebook that's a big long one. I'm going to try and parse out the question here real quick. But that has to do with Tommy Mallott. So when Choate left, he thought, he, the the person who submitted the question, I thought we had seen the end of the Troy Anderson-style Wildcat quarterback by committee. While Green McKay has been solidified as number one, is this a carryover from Choate's scheme? Or does Vegan actually think that the uh, same way that imp- implementing this type of scheme uh, keeps teams on their toes. Can it be both? I think it'd be both. Why not? I just, th- I, th- I, he, he said multiple times before the season started that Malat's a guy that he, he's too good of an athlete to keep off the field. And I don't know where else you put him. So why not? He talked a little bit about it in his press conference today. He talked about how Malat has had a success. He goes, why would we shy away from that? We're going to essentially lean into that. He also talked about how Malat is a quarterback. He he fairly yep. clearly stated he is a quarterback first, kind of hinting at in his own vegan way that, uh, hey, we're going to see some more out of this package before the year's in. And second part of his question is, does this disrupt Matt McKay's rhythm? I'm basically I think so. paraphrasing here, but yes. I think so. I think I thought that was a good part of that question. I think it does disrupt the system. I think the more we go into this two-quarterback system is not good for Montana State. Uh, you and I were talking before we hit record. The two-quarterback system is not something I want Montana State to be known for, especially in November. And I might be, like, if it wins us games, I'm still not a fan of it, man. Like, I just, it's not as good as just having a traditional quarterback who can sling it all around. It's just gimmicky. It it has its, uh, it has its ceiling for sure. I think it can work. It just has, I've seen so many times where a guy like, like Tucker Rovick, like we all talked about last year how Tucker Rovick seems to be a guy who's like a rhythm quarterback. Uh, you got to get his confidence up. You got to get his rhythm going. But then the, he gets that going and they pull him out and they bring in Travis Johnson. I just think if you're going to do it, you can't have it so scripted that you disrupt a guy's rhythm he's built up. So absolutely, I think it can disrupt a rhythm. Um, I haven't seen that this year necessarily. Maybe I just haven't paid enough attention. But yeah, if Malat's going to come in more and more, It'll absolutely, I think, mess with McKay's confidence in his rhythm for sure. Confidence, maybe not. Rhythm, yes. I mean, you're getting you're getting taken out of the game 
for a running quarterback. I don't know. Maybe it messes your confidence. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Good question, though. Good question. Yeah. I'm glad we got to it because we hadn't really mentioned a lot um, yet. Moving over to Twitter. Uh, we got a couple over there. We have Andrea. Uh, she asked us, how do they plan on slowing down Eastern Washington's offense? I think we already kind of took stabs at that. I think it was what we started basically the whole thing off on. Patrick is asking if either one of us are going to the game. Um, I'm too far away. And you already said you're not going to p- pay those exorbitant price gouging fees that the Eagles are running the scheme over there. I honestly, and there's a few other guys on Bobcat nation who said they were going to go and they aren't going to because of the price. I hope Eastern, I hope this comes to bite them. Their, their attendance against Weaver state was pretty atrocious. And I, I hope it just continues to tank because no one wants to pay, <laughs> pay $70 a ticket to play, go to any Eastern Washington game period. I think it's just ridiculous. Uh, by the time of fees, I think you, I think you would then. get more money if you uh, lowered it down to twenty dollars. You get more people in. You would, like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd take my family to that in an instant. I Not when bank- I'm spending close to three hundred bills to go watch the cats play. Yeah, it just seems silly. Yeah, they're banking on the Montana fans traveling, and my my Montana, I mean the state of Montana, Montana, Montana State. They're banking on that. Mm. I think it was even worse for the Grizz game, but yeah, that's just, I think that's just ludicrous. Drew Burkhart, one of our guys who interacts with, with us a lot on Twitter, which side of the ball will be most important to getting the W, the offense sustaining long drives and scoring every chance they get, or the defense minimizing the amount of points Eastern Washington puts up? He thinks this is a game where the offense will need to outshine the defense to get the, the victory. Um, I alluded to this. We talked about this. I think the offense is my biggest concern, and I think my biggest key, I don't. they don't need to score a ton of points. I just, I'm, I'm a little concerned that the offense is going to have a harder time scoring than we think that they're going to. So, in my opinion, the offense is, the, is the big key for me. Uh, I think our defense can do enough to put the offense in position to win the game. I'm just not sure the offenses can do, can do that. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I also want to say, you know, the last quarter the Montana State Bobcats played was a really good quarter. I MK looked really good in that quarter. Yes. I'm kind of hoping that just carries on. I think the key to this game is definitely our offense, for sure. Yeah, that last uh, quarter against Idaho State, the game wasn't quite out of hand yet, and McKay turned it up and made some good throws. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that led some to positive momentum heading into the bye week. And Vegan said he had a really good week of practice, like four or five practices. He's been praising McKay for the way he's practiced this week. So let's hope that that translates. Boston Bobcat. Here's a nugget for you, gents. Oh, man, here we go. This is the second time <laughs> in eight years that the Bobcats have entered the Inferno with at least a five-game winning streak. The year was 2013. The Cats proceeded to get humiliated as well as finish the season losing the next three games. He asks us, is there any chance that the history repeats itself? 2013, we lost 29-54. to 54. <laughs> Was that 2013? <laughs> 29 to 54. That might have been the game that they scored like on every single possession. That might be the one. <laughs> they might have done that for like three years in a row. Like you said, under that, that might be more than defense. one game, but there was one specific <laughs> game. But uh, unfortunately, if the Cats go into Cheney, get blown out, there could be some sort of letdown game against Idaho. Like it could happen. Like there's a situation yeah. that could happen, and the Grizz are going to be tough in Missoula. 
no matter how bad they played against Southern Utah, how much I want to rib them for it, they're going to be tough. It's the it's the brawl of the wild. I mean, there, there's the possibility that if this game sets off a domino effect where we lose lose out, and that I think it's a low percentage, I, and I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, you know, he asks any chance that history repeats itself. I'd say like a five percent chance. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I just think Coach Vegan and company just have a different mindset. Yeah. One thing I really appreciate about appreciate about Coach Vegan is his approach to these games. When I was listening to the press conference today, i I just don't get the I just don't get the feeling that. Uh, well, obviously, he never gets too high, but I I don't think he ever gets too low, and he always he, talks he doesn't about go anywhere. He always talks about. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is like the walking <laughs> meme of like the mean average. Yeah. Like Coach Vegan is just Coach, right there. Brent Vegan enjoys vanilla ice cream for sure. <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> you made me forget what I was going to say. Oh, no. He always talks about um, their preparation, their mental preparation. That is something he harps on every single week when we listen to him. And that's this. that's what makes me believe that. I don't think this is going to be the emotional roller coaster that we've experienced. I would be surprised, honestly, if if we lose, which I predicted um, back in August when we were doing our preview. I predicted this as a loss. So if we lose, I, I would be shocked if we lose the next two. Um, it could happen, but I, I don't think it's likely. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, this big beer I've I've been drinking. Starting to affect me in in, in a negative way. How about you? How are you doing over there? <laughs> it's ten thirty at night, man. <laughs> it is ten thirty. We are an hour fifteen into this. Um, it's a long which I think is going to be. It's a long episode, but I think people are going to be uh, good. I think it's going to be good content. People uh, want to listen to this one because we had a week off. It's the biggest game we've had in a while. We didn't have anything else to talk about ex- except for the preview, and we still somehow managed to take this and out and out into an hour fifteen. There's that beer talking right there. Was there any other golden coolie questions? Did we, we did we get them all? I think we did. Got a lot. We appreciate it, man. I mean, when we, we have did. a lot of golden coolie questions, that is so cool. I mean, you guys are sending them in, and I've been sending a ton out. I got stickers coming in those golden coolies as well. Did anyone stick out to you, buddy? Uh, I like the drinking game one because that's always funny to me. All right, like Joe Bobcat. You know, Joe Bobcat, <laughs> the, uh, okay, we can give one to Joe Bobcat. Here's the deal. Joe, um, send me your, I know you have a golden coolie. Uh, I want to give you a sticker. And I also want to give a bloom gold blitz because he said, I want a sticker. Anybody who like literally tells me they want a sticker, yeah, man, I'm gonna send you a sticker. That's the secret. I got tons secret. Of them. Uh, secret here that <laughs> no one's willing to tell you is that uh, he'll just give you something if you ask him. We do this uh, <laughs> golden coolie winner, which is great. Um, but you know, just send him a message. He'll send you one. Yeah, if you send us a nice message, tell us telling us how much you really enjoy yeah. our podcast. You know, flattery will get right? you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end this, Thorny. Let's get out of here. My goodness, this is a, this is an episode. This is an episode that we release to people again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, <laughs> our, our cat cast. You can find us on 
the internet, rrcatcast.com. You can find us on bobcatnation.com. We have a couple of threads there, a Golden Cooley thread and a R&R Catcast thread where I basically post the new releases. You can email us at rrcatcast.com if you're not into social media like my co-host, Ryan Foley, hates all that kind of stuff. You can always email us. That's perfectly acceptable. And let's get out of here with a Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>